Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. I heard the second Brandenburg Concerto played in honor of Bach's 300th birthday, and I was swept away. My colleague of blessed memory, Robbie Walsh, is speaking. I remembered a story about the people who send messages into outer space. Someone suggested sending a piece by Bach. The reply was, but that would be bragging. Some say we get what we deserve, but life is a gift we have not earned and for which we cannot pay. The best we can do is to express our gratitude for the undeserved gifts and do our share of the work of creation. My days are filled with stories of the ways we feel lucky and the ways we are shattered. Ernest Hemingway wrote, the world breaks everyone, and afterward, many are strong at the broken places. Many possessed of every claim to brokenness rise like a phoenix from the ashes. How do they ever laugh again? Christianity answers with the word grace, a free and unmerited gift. Presbyterian minister Reverend Frederick Buchner explains, the grace of God means something like this, here is your life. You might never have been, but you are, because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us. I love you. This morning, let's take the idea of grace and run with it. 20th century Christian theologian Paul Tillich writes, grace strikes us when we are in great pain and restlessness. It strikes us when we walk through the dark valley of a meaningless and empty life. It strikes us when we feel that our separation is deeper than usual because we have violated another life, a life that we loved or from which we are estranged. It strikes us when our disgust for our own being, our indifference, our weakness, our hostility, and our lack of direction and composure have become intolerable for us. It strikes us when year after year the longed-for perfection of life does not appear, when the old compulsions reign within us as they have for decades, when despair destroys all joy and courage. Sometimes, at that moment, 
a wave of light breaks into our darkness. If that happens to us, we experience grace. After such an experience, we may not be better than before, and we may not believe more than before, but everything is transformed. I'm especially compelled by a grace we can meet halfway, a more interactive experience of grace. I'm interested in our willingness to seek and find, to open, to receive, and pass it on. Here's writer and activist Anne Lamott. Auden was right when he wrote, I know nothing except what everyone knows. When grace dances, I should dance. I understand that Auden meant grace in the theological sense, meant it as the force that infuses our lives and keeps letting us off the hook. It is unearned love, the love that goes before, that greets us on the way. It's the help you receive when you have no bright ideas left, when you are empty and desperate and have discovered that your best thinking and most charming charm have failed you. Grace is the light or electricity or juice or breeze that takes you from that isolated place and puts you with others who are as startled and embarrassed and eventually grateful as you are to be here. I do not understand the mystery of grace, Anne Lamott concludes, only that it meets us where we are but does not leave us where it found us. At best, the experience of grace is generative. Grace begets gratitude, and gratitude begets generosity. In Christianity, falling from grace is turning away from God. Grace heals estrangement. If that language is foreign to you, as it is to me, try this. When we turn from that which is life-giving, we cut the tie that binds us to health, peace, and joy. When we make the choice to turn back, we come back to life and are restored to love. Kentucky poet and farmer Wendell Berry writes, when despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time, I rest in the grace of the world and am free. 
Note that the poet is not lying around waiting for grace. He goes to the water, the source of life, to seek it. He returns to love, rebinding himself to the experience of the holy. And so we make ourselves available to grace. If we are very lucky, grace finds us and frees us. And what are we going to do with it? I say, pass it on. Deepak Chopra writes, it is in the nature of the soul to give freely in the same way that a river gives water. Establish a channel and the water flows. The ego gets tangled up in questions of who deserves what, calculating how much to give and take away. Grace is free with its gifts. As freely as one breath comes and the next one goes, we can act from grace by giving without attachment. My friends of blessed memory, Peter and Ruth Fleck, escaped the Nazi invasion of Holland and settled in America. Peter framed their entire experience of the Holocaust as a series of death-defying vicissitudes punctuated with unimaginable grace. As they prepared to flee their home in Rotterdam, a neighbor came by with a sausage. From their suitcase, Ruth removed a small Chinese statue of a kneeling horse and replaced it with the gift. When the flex got to Spain, the only food available was bananas and oranges. The morning they left Spain, the kindly, round-faced old woman who sold the fruit insisted that they take a jar of homemade jam. They hated to do it. They were leaving a famished land bound for America, a place of abundance. But these two gifts of food, the sausage and the jam, sustained them through what turned out to be an unimaginable journey and were their stay against starvation. Peter also told the story of Ruth's cousin who fled Paris in 1941, just ahead of that occupation. Nine months pregnant, she reached a hospital in the south of France where she gave birth. I always remember that Peter described her baby boy as perfect, except for his club feet. I don't know if it's still true, but in those days, corrective surgery had to be performed within 48 hours. Most of the doctors had already fled the country. There just wasn't a surgeon, let alone one who could operate on an infant. But then a young nurse learned that the day before, the country's greatest expert on correcting club feet also fleeing the Nazis, had arrived in this very small town on a flight from Paris the day before. He was found and successfully performed the operation. What are the chances? 
Peter said, grace, pure grace in a world of disgrace. More than 120,000 non-Aryans lived in the Netherlands. Fewer than 20,000 survived the Holocaust. Peter and Ruth lost everything but their lives. By all rights, they should have been bitter. Instead, they were overwhelmingly good-natured and generous, based entirely on their profound sense of gratitude for the grace that sustained them. I hear two directives in these stories for us. The first is to pay attention. Watch for grace. The second is to pass it on. Grace is a gift. Open it and pass it on. Our friend Tim's beloved mother was deeply devoted to her volunteer work at a food pantry in Waltham. When she died, her children were heartbroken. But each year on her birthday, they gather at that food pantry to work for the day and have raised an endowment ensuring its continuity in their mother's name. How can we, too, make grace out of a situation that appears anything but grace-filled? Last Sunday after the service, some of us were talking about the impossible juxtaposition of tragedy and grace that leads to organ transplants. I hope you've had the opportunity to see the news clip of the mother whose son was killed in an accident and donated his heart to an unknown recipient. One year later, as the camera rolls, she meets the man who, at death's door, received her son's heart and was given new life. They weep and embrace and weep some more as she lays her head on his chest, leaning into the stranger who, in unspeakable tragedy and unimaginable grace, has become family to her. And she listens once again to her son's beating heart. Beloved spiritual companions, sometimes a wave of light breaks into our darkness. Grace. May we express our gratitude for undeserved gifts. Seek and find, open, receive, and pass it on. Let us rebind ourselves to the experience of the holy, meeting grace halfway, and do our share of the work of creation. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.